0: All right, well, hello and good morning. Thank you for being with us today. Whether you are here in person, whether you're watching online, we just want to say welcome and you belong here. There is a place for you here. My name is Angela. I am part of the teaching team here at ACF Church. And if you don't know this about me, I think it's good for us to just start and let you know that I am a competitor. I like to compete. I like to make anything into a game, especially a game that I can win. Um, My husband and I went out fishing a couple weekends ago, and you know it has to be about who catches more fish, and I didn't win that time, but it was okay. I still had fun in the competition. Um, Ever since I can remember seeing my husband for the very first time, I saw him as somebody that I could outdo. Somebody that I could try to run faster than, somebody that I could try to do more push-ups or more sit-ups than, and I remember, yes, thank you, I try, Um, and I remember telling our friends uh, once we got engaged, I remember telling them that we were going to be married, and their response was laughter. They didn't think that we liked each other because of the way that we were always competing, or more accurately, the way that I was always competing. But sadly, that's what we've been learning that the Corinthians are doing, right? The believers in Corinth are trying to compete with each other. They're trying to outdo each other with their wisdom or their knowledge or their place in the community. We've been learning that Corinth is a very progressive city where the rules don't necessarily apply, and what is happening is the believers are playing right along with these same games of the culture, and their immaturity is becoming a problem. And so, Paul is writing this letter of 1 Corinthians to the believers to remind them listen, you are not supposed to be looking like the culture, but you, as the church, are supposed to change the culture. And so, he writes to remind them that their power comes from unity. And we learn that unity isn't looking the same, it's not being the same, but unity is having the mind of Jesus Christ and keeping him as the center, holding fast to Jesus so that we can weather any storm. And then last week, Pastor Brian walked us through God's part of sanctification, right? That when God chooses us, that he indwells us with his Holy Spirit. And what an amazing and powerful gift that is. And so this week, we're going to walk into what is our part of sanctification. And for those of you, sanctification, that's just a fancy word for saying growing up. How are we called to now grow up? And there might be some of you that are thinking, well, I'm already grown up. I already know a lot of things. I've had quite a few experiences. But I would really encourage you that maturity doesn't necessarily equal physical age, that our spiritual age might be different, and that as long as we are here living and breathing, I think we all have something that we can learn. And so if you would, I would love for you to join me. If you have a Bible, turn to First Corinthians chapter 3. You can also follow along on the screen behind me. You will have all the notes there. We have an awesome free ACF Church app that you can download for your phone. It has all the sermon notes. Um, It even has a place where you can listen to past sermons if you've missed any. And so, again, we are going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 starting right there at verse 1. Paul writes... So it's one thing to act like you're a baby if you're a baby, right? Like, that's okay. And babies need to start with milk. I remember feeding our kids when they were little. We had to feed them very small amounts, very close together. Because what would happen is if we tried to feed them too much at one time, they were just going to throw it all back up, and they weren't going to grow, And growing is this very important part of being a baby, right? Like, even doctors have a percentile chart that if your baby doesn't meet a certain standard by a certain age, well, there can be developmental consequences, and there can be some serious issues that I think doctors take very seriously. And here in verse 1, Paul actually isn't mad at them for being babies, The word that he uses when he says that you're of the flesh, he's saying you're made of flesh. And the truth is, all of us are made of flesh. And Paul knows that everybody starts as a baby in the faith. We all start needing someone to take care of us, someone to feed us. We don't know everything, and that is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But where Paul transitions now is in verses 2 and 3 because now he says when you're of the flesh, he's saying you are characterized by flesh. Again, one thing to act like you're a baby when you're a baby. But now Paul is saying you guys need to grow up. You have been justified. You have been declared not guilty. You have received salvation from God, and yet you are still choosing to live your own way. You're not taking responsibility for your actions. You look exactly the same as the culture around you. You're pleasing yourself. You're not pleasing God. You are still drinking milk even though you're an adult. And milk is something that's simple, right? Like, it's pretty basic, pretty standard fare. Nothing too scary or intimidating about milk. And again, at first, it is what is needed. But pediatricians are going to call you out if all you're doing is feeding your toddler or your adolescent milk. Somewhere along the lines, in order for them to mature and grow up healthy, they need to transition to solid food. I remember training for marathons and I learned very quickly that there were certain foods that I needed to eat to give me the energy to sustain my workouts and my exercise. And even if you talk to Pastor Josh about his most recent adventure, he will even tell you that sometimes eating that was hard for him to do. It was a chore. It took work. He didn't want to eat. But in order for him to maintain his health, in order for him to be able to complete his mission, he knew that he needed to eat. Now, I also learned very quickly that when I was done training for marathons, that I couldn't just keep that previous diet that I had before because I was going to gain some extra flesh. And, yeah, this extra flesh, it wasn't very helpful, and it was even hurtful right? Like my knees would hurt, my heart was having to work harder. And that's what the Corinthians are being called out on. They are still drinking milk as an adult, and they're gaining this extra flesh. Listen to verse 3. Paul says, you are still of the flesh. You're still characterized by flesh. And how does he know? He says, for while there is jealousy and strife among you, Are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? Paul is telling them, you're being a baby. You need to move on from milk. You need to have solid food. And sadly, this wasn't anything new. And this wasn't a problem that went away anytime soon. Because even the writer of Hebrews, he says it this way. Years later, he's writing this. By now, you should be teachers. But you need someone to teach you again the first lessons of God's message. You still need the teaching that is like milk. You are not ready for solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still a baby and knows nothing about right teaching. Milk is simple. But life, life isn't simple. Life presents challenges and struggles. And we need something more to sustain us. Verse 14, but solid food is for those who are grown up. They are mature enough to know the difference between good and evil. You see, if our diet doesn't match, then we're never going to be able to grow up. We're never going to be able to hold fast to what will truly sustain us. And time and time again, this goal for believers is grow up. And Paul is calling them out because these Corinthians, they can't handle the deeper things of God. They can't understand the all-sufficiency of Christ. Like they like the salvation part, but they also like living their own way and doing their own thing. I think they know that they're free in Christ, but they're not using their freedom maturely. And I think bottom line is they know Jesus as Savior, but they haven't submitted to him as Lord. And I would ask you the same question. Do you know Jesus as Savior? Do you rejoice in the fact that it is for freedom, that Christ has set us free? But do you understand that this true freedom is the way of a cross? And the cross means that we've been crucified with Christ. That's not easy. Because it's no longer we who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And this life which we now live in the flesh, we can live by faith, serving and trusting Jesus as both Savior and Lord. They have to go together. Or instead, maybe do you not see that they have to go together and you get uncomfortable in a place that is trying to give solid food, trying to teach the deeper things of God? Like, do you want the benefits of Christianity without the behavior? And now please hear me and know that true freedom is not behavior modification, but you can't meet Jesus and not change. Somewhere along the lines of growth, our muscles will atrophy if we are not given a proper diet of solid food so that we, again, have and can hold on to what will truly sustain us. Paul is calling the Corinthians out. He can see their spiritual condition because of their diet, their immaturity, this jealousy, this quarreling, this strife. And they're even going one step farther and they're bragging about which teacher they've listened to and which one is better and who they follow. Listen to verse 4. It says it this way. For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? If you've been reading through in your Hold Fast Study Guide, you know that this should sound familiar because at the end of chapter 1, Paul says the same thing, and he's calling him out again here. He's like, really, Corinthians? Really? Like, is it really about which club or which organization or which teacher you follow? Because I think whether you are a believer in Jesus or not, You can see how destructive and how divisive this kind of behavior can be, right? Like, why would anybody want to be part of anything, let alone a church, for that matter, where there's so much bickery and there's so much backstabbing? And this word that Paul uses for jealousy, it's actually a word that means envy. And it's more than just wanting what someone else has. Right, Like that's coveting But envy is so much more harmful And so much more destructive Because envy means I want to take your life And I want to ruin it Think about two toddlers Right? One of them has a toy Okay, take the toy Now I have it for myself Like that's one thing But it is a whole other thing For that toddler to take that toy And then break it So that now nobody Can use it. It is no good to anyone. And that's what the Corinthians are doing. When they're opposing each other, when they're competing each other, when they're trying to outdo each other, when they're not willing to put their preferences aside, when it's more important to be right and to to be the winner, right? They're causing divisions because of their immaturity. And so you might say, so what, right? Like, okay, we get it. This is bad. This is immature. But now how are we called to live? How can we be marked by maturity? And I think Paul, again, goes on in verses 5 through 7, and he gives us some clues. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. And I love that in this translation, Paul uses the word what. And I know that in other translations you might see it does say who is Paul or who is Apollos, but the meaning that Paul is trying to get at is of what value are these men? Like, where is their worth apart from God? God's the one who gives the growth. God's the one who does the work. And so the world is saying, get your name out there. Promote yourself. It's all about you. And Paul is saying, no, keep Jesus as the center. Hold fast to him. Humble yourselves. And that's when you can start to grow in maturity. And I say start to grow because I also think it's very important to realize that there are degrees of maturity and immaturity, right? Like we don't just one day take one bite of solid food and be like, I know everything, I got it, I got it all figured out, life's gonna be easy now, I can just sit back and relax. I know that I struggle with pride. And for me that can swing all the way from wanting to win wanting to make everything a game all the way to beating myself up if I don't get something right the first time. But I had a wise mentor of mine once tell me that maturity is when you are able to have that recognition time of when you're falling back into these old and destructive habits, that the recognition time becomes less and less, that you're willing to submit sooner to the power and grace of the Holy Spirit. And for me, I cling to the words of Romans 8, because Romans 8 for me is just a very solid reminder of how I am called to grow up. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. What a gift. And I think that there are some questions that we can walk through, that we can ask ourselves, am I setting my mind on the flesh? Or in humility, am I setting my mind on the spirit, the things of life and of peace? And so I just have a few of them here today. First of all, am I willing to care for others, receiving nothing in return, When you think about that friend who is in need, are you the first person that they think to call? Am I generous with my time and my resources? Do you see that what you have been given is a gift with open hands? Or do you see it as an entitlement? Am I able to forgive when somebody wrongs me. And I know this is a hard one, especially if it's not your fault. But are you willing to offer the grace that Jesus first gave to you? Am I capable of seeing my weaknesses or only the weaknesses of others? Yep, this is the challenge for me because I like to win and I like to be right and I like to have the last word. But am I willing to look at myself Or do I only want to call out and criticize other people? Am I often repeating the same mistake over and over? Like how many times do I have to walk down a road to see that it really isn't going anywhere? Am I deliberately seeking the counsel of others? Or do I like to do my own thing? We are made for community We need each other. We need you and you need us. What kind of a listener am I? Ask someone close to you this week. What kind of a listener? Are you honestly trying to hear what is being said or are you just waiting for that pause so that you can talk? Do I have a heart for ministry or status? Again, is it about getting your name out there and making it be about you? Or are you willing to submit and give God the glory? And finally, our favorite one. Am I convinced that this message is for someone else and not for me? I'll just leave that one right there. Okay. And I get it. Some of these questions are a little bit more challenging and they're going to require a little bit more thought. But the honest truth is, are you willing to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? I love Colossians 3. Colossians 3 says it like this. God has chosen you and made you his holy people. He loves you. So you should always clothe yourselves with mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive each other. If someone does wrong to you, forgive that person because the Lord forgave you. Even more than all this, clothe yourself in love. Love is what holds you all together in perfect unity. And there's that word, unity coming from a root word meaning harmonious. And I think of music. We don't all sing the same part, and yet that's what makes the music so rich and so full. And unity is where our power comes from, right? And so instead of competing with each other, think about what Pastor Stewart taught us a couple months ago, that instead of being jealous and having everything be a competition, that we can celebrate each other and see that we're all on the same team. I love team sports. And in high school, I would play whatever team sport they would let me. One of my favorites, basketball. Still to this day, I love basketball. And my trick in high school was trying to play more minutes than the number of fouls that you could get. (laughs) Yeah, it's not that big a deal, like you only get five fouls. So I didn't play a lot in any game. But I knew that I was a baby. I was a baby at basketball. And in high school, that was awesome because I wasn't the only baby. There were a lot of us babies. Maybe we had a couple teenagers. But for the most part, we were babies, and we helped each other, and we challenged each other, and we worked on our skills, and we got better. And so in high school, being a baby at basketball, not a problem. It was awesome. It was even good. But I learned very quickly that college is not the place for babies. I did not have the skills or the ability or the knowledge to be an asset to my team. And so how about you? Maybe it's not basketball, but are you an asset at your job? Are you trying to grow and get better at whatever it is you do? And if you're, if you're not, are you willing to maybe critically evaluate where you can improve so that you can help your team? Or maybe as a parent or a child, are you an asset? Or are you always wanting to get your own way? Are you willing to maybe learn from somebody that has walked a similar situation and sit down with them and and have them teach you? Or maybe in a relationship or a marriage, are you an asset? Or are you always wanting to have the last word? Are you wanting to be right? Are you causing envy and strife? Or are you wanting to seek what is best for that relationship? Because I think no matter the situation, it's important for us to see, are we stuck in this immature infant stage? Or are we willing to move on to solid food and grow up? Sometimes the message translation just hits me right where I need to hear it. And so listen to the words of Ephesians 4. In light of all this, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out there and walk. Better yet, run on the road God called you to travel. I don't want any of you sitting around on your hands. I don't want anyone strolling off down some path that goes nowhere. No prolonged infancies among us, please. We'll not tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth, to tell it in love, like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. It is easy to say, you want to grow up? Just read your Bible, right? Right? Like, while that's not wrong, I think what matters more than that is how are you applying what you're reading? How is you sitting and spending time meditating on his word that is living and active? Is it really changing the way that you think and that you act? Because I don't think maturity is necessarily about the solid food that goes into our bodies. We can gain all the knowledge and wisdom that we want, but I think maturity is what is produced as a result of this solid food. Being willing to grow up healthy, right? Grow up healthy and know the truth. Why do we want to know it? So that we can tell it. So that we can share it in love. That's where true life is found. And I know that once I moved my kids from milk to solid food, we again had to start small and to move slowly. Because I think my son, he could make one Cheerio last for a good 10 minutes, right? Parents, you know, I'm not wrong, all right? So once you start small, I would just encourage you, take little bites, that's fine, but don't stay small. Be willing to dig into what does his word truly mean? find someone to share with, to talk with, to wrestle with when you have questions. Maturity is a process, right? Being willing to put on humility, clothing ourselves with humility, being an asset to our team, and being the first ones to show forgiveness and grace. Because I think when we can be the first ones to see past the division or the strife of whatever the situation is, when we can bring it back to the gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, I think that's maturity. When we can consider that when we were enemies, we were sinners far from God, that that's when he sent Jesus to die for us so that we can be free, free to grow up in him. And I love that here at ACF Church, we want to help you take your next step. And so if you have this note card, it should have been on your seat when you walked in. There is a little part at the bottom that you can tear off. You can write your name, either phone number or email. We promise we won't spam you. We just want to encourage you in taking your next step. And maybe your next step is allowing God's spirit to transform your heart and your mind and begin that relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe your next step is move on from milk and work through this hold fast study guide that we have provided for you. If you don't have a physical copy, we have digital copies that you can download from our ACF website. Maybe your next step is to be willing to humble yourself, to receive grace from God so that you're not making everything about competition, that you're not trying to win everything, but you're trying to give God the glory in whatever it is that you do. Or finally, maybe your next step is seeking out a mentor, finding someone that has walked through a situation in life and they've handled it with gentleness and grace. And maybe that's your next step. And as you leave today, you can drop these by the doors before you exit. If you would, bow your heads and pray with me. God, I just thank you so much that salvation belongs to you alone. Thank you, God, for doing the work in us and through us. And thank you, God, that you are the one that causes the growth Help us to see that no matter how old we are or how young we are, God, that we all have something to learn from you. Thank you for your spirit who is the perfect teacher. Thank you for your love, for your protection, for your kindness and for your grace. God, we just love you and we just ask that you would go with us as we leave this place so that we can grow up in you, know the whole truth and to tell it in love.